as you mentioned, 60% of infectious diseases can be reduced simply by washing your hands, purifying your hands. Uh, you know, there's just some other numbers that go along with that. You know, in healthcare specifically, it was in 2011, there was a report that indicated that in a hospital, in hospitals, there were about 760-ish thousand, 760,000 uh, communicable diseases or, or infections that were acquired in the hospital. And by simply purifying or washing your hands, that 60% reduction uh, can be done. With those 760,000, there are actually 78,000 deaths that year alone by just standard common uh, diseases that are captured this way. As such, you know, Gojo, the company, the parent company for Purell, decided maybe there's a better way or maybe there's a way to find what they called opportunities to sanitize. Welcome to another episode of the Data Binge podcast, where we're creating a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. And what I really enjoy the most about these discussions, especially if this is your first time tuning in, is that they tend to get deep into the topics that bring modern business forward. So augmented reality, connected to everything, as you soon shall see, machine automation, and of course, my favorite topic, AI. But most importantly, and you'll see this a lot today on the discussion, is we talk a lot about what we as humans struggle with from finances to emotional balance to empathy and parenting because the human element in this world of technology is the richest component in any past, present, or future tech. Today's episode features an audio recording of a LinkedIn live broadcast of a live show, Simply Tech Live, that my co-host Ali Mazahari, he's the director of the Microsoft Technology Center in Irvine, and I host physically at the Microsoft Technology Center in Irvine. The mission of the live broadcast is to focus on the evolving landscape of technology through the lens specifically of Microsoft focus areas, our partner ecosystem, and our customers. A perfect addition, in my opinion, to the Data Binge podcast that you're listening to now. And I'm really excited about this live format and this experimentation of doing these in-person type of events. And the guests we have lined up for that are simply spectacular. If you are interested in watching the show live, LinkedIn Live is still in beta. So simply follow me on LinkedIn. You can just search Derek Russell Microsoft and you should find me fairly quickly. Today's discussion features Kevin Orbaker, Chief Technology Architect at the Microsoft Technology Center in Irvine. And we talk specifically about why it's never been a more important time to utilize technology to quantify and with that quantification, augment behavior that can enhance operational efficiency. And why is today's episode so important? It's because operational efficiency means lives. This could mean reduction of both highly preventable infections and the spread of disease. Very relevant right now in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we talk about a real-life solution hosted with Microsoft IoT and data services technologies. Purell SmartLink, a set of technology solutions from Gojo, who's actually the inventor of Purell. And how this solution on Microsoft's Cloud Azure streamlines the hand sanitization process with motion sensors, internet-connected dispensers, and a cloud platform that collects and analyzes 
data, both in batch and real time. Why is this all important? Underlining this, the CDC claims that hand washing reduces incidence of common ailments by nearly 60% in some cases. We talk about an overview, a live demo of the hand sanitization process as it is today with this internet connected dispensers and data analysis in the cloud. We talk through that entire process. We talk about motion sensors in different use cases and other data input feeds for better patient care and operational efficiency. We talk about additional IoT use cases and solutions that exist today in Azure. Lastly, we talk a little bit about the human element. We talk about World Down Syndrome Day, which is on March 21st, the importance of awareness around Down Syndrome. We talk about challenges of raising kids with disabilities and what parents have learned from it and can learn from it. And we really have some focus on the human segment of technology, how those two combine. And this is essentially what I really love about this episode. We do show a number of dashboards and physical hardware and equipment that you just simply can't see in the audio version. But I'll definitely put links to all those items that we discuss, as well as links to the video in the live discussion if you're interested in the show notes. A very, very cool topic, very, very specifically relevant to what we're dealing with today. And we're hoping that the message of when technology is in the right hands, it can and will empower better patient care, health, and hygiene for all really, really lands for you. Thank you so much for listening. And we are all hoping the best of safety and health to you and all of your families. And now I bring you Kevin Orbaker and your Simply Tech live broadcast crew. Welcome to another episode of Simply Tech Live here at the Microsoft Technology Center. How are you guys doing today? Good. How many episodes do we have so far? This is the third one, and wow. we have a bunch scheduled. If this is your first time tuning in, Simply Tech Live is a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders about the evolving landscape of technology. So we're going to have discussions that ranging from the HoloLens, which we still need to schedule. Misty. Um, Misty, <laughs> all the way to AI and ML running in our hyperscale cloud, Azure. So I'm your co-host, Derek Russell. I am a specialist on the data and, AI data and AI team here in the West US region at Microsoft. My other co-host. That's a lengthy title, but all right. Ali Mazahiri, I'm the, the MTC director in Irvine. And today we have a special guest. Kevin, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Kevin Orbaker. I am the data and AI architect alongside uh, Ali here, so I work with him and this team that is gathered here with us. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. So we were initially going to do a different uh, demo today or showcase today. We were going to do something around custom vision and AI and what we're doing in the big ag, big ag and livestock industry. But because of all of the commotion around uh, hand sanitization, we thought that we should showcase what a uh, connected hand sanitization san hand sanitization device should look like. So, twister. Yeah. So we'll be focusing on this here. What, what is this thing? Why are we standing in front of this? And why did we choose this for the as a demo? In the yeah, MTC? before we get into detail, first of all, I mean, good luck going and finding hand sanitizer at Target or any other. <laughs> so there's going to be a black market for this, everybody coming here and using the system. But getting back to your question, so uh, as we discussed in the previous shows, here at the MTC, it's all about experience selling. So we work with a lot of customers, in this case, like Gojo, that Kevin is going to talk about it. Uh, which, by the way, there's going to be a shout out to the, the Detroit MTC, Stacy, who uh, enabled all the centers to have this demo. 
But what we do is to bring all these experiences as we start working with the customers like Gojo and I think our first episode was with uh, AppNet and the Nespresso machine. Yep. To put this on display so as you walk into the center, it's not about PowerPoint presentation or you know talking point, it's really about experiencing it and see it firsthand. So Gojo was one of the, the first uh, scenarios and experiences that we rolled out to all the MTCs and to any locations that you go across the US, you're gonna see a Gojo machine and that's something that is uh, you know, uh, dear and near to everybody's, especially these days as you brought it up. So when we talk about quantifying behavior so you can augment behavior, um, we'll go back to that in a little bit. The CDC claims that hand washing reduces incidence of common ailments by nearly 60% in some cases. So if you're in a hospital facility and you are somehow incented to sanitize your hands, this could be very good for the spread of disease, or very bad for the spread of disease, however you want to put it. Um, what's going on with this solution? Can you talk about the solution? Can you talk about what it is, why it's important for us? Yeah, absolutely. So By the way, I, let me just use it. Before you, sure. before you touch yeah, it. Yeah, I know, I mean. <laughs> and it's one meter now, right? Is it like yeah. that's the, <laughs> the new guidance? Yeah, we'll, uh, go off. we'll check that. Uh, so, yeah, the solution is actually pretty simple. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, 60% of infectious diseases can be reduced simply by washing your hands, purifying your hands. Uh, you know, there's just some other numbers that go along with that. You know, in healthcare specifically, it was in 2011, there was a report that indicated that in, a hospital, in hospitals, there were about 760-ish thousand, 760,000 uh, communicable diseases or, or infections that were acquired in the hospital. And by simply purifying or washing your hands, that 60% reduction uh, can be done. With those 760,000, there are actually 78,000 deaths that year alone by just standard common uh, diseases that are captured this way. As such, you know, Gojo, the company, the parent company for Purell, decided maybe there's a better way or maybe there's a way to find what they called opportunities to sanitize. So this particular use case, they actually started that back in 2011, believe it or not. Uh, and their first stab at it uh, was, not, was not very functional. It, it had some issues, some stability issues. The data that it was re uh, creating really wasn't useful. So they came to the MTCs. They said, listen, we tried to do this thing called SmartLink. It wasn't really great, but I, we still think our idea is good. So they worked with Microsoft and the MTCs to kind of come up with a better way to do SmartLink. So SmartLink's job is actually a couple of things. What you're seeing here is our Azure IoT Sphere chip. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a developer board, so you know the chip itself is just right there, but the board itself is what we use to do development. But they use the Azure IoT Sphere chip to connect this device to our Azure IoT services. Uh, on top of that, they also have an IR. We don't have it here, but they have an IR sensor that checks as people walk by a sanitization. IR so meaning infrared. Yes, infrared sensor okay. to know when a human is walking by it. And they consider that an opportunity. Because if you're walking by it, it's an opportunity to, to sterilize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that whole process that they went through was really taking a look at how they could better track people that were going by it and how they could better track whether or not it was being used. And this was all done... Uh, with our IoT services in the back end. Got it. And so can you talk about what 
this, what Azure Sphere actually is. is. You said it's a, an MCU. So Azure Sphere is what's oh, called a microcontroller. Uh, you can find them like with Arduinos. Uh, a lot of different companies make them. Uh, you can find them embedded in everything from your refrigerator to your toaster. Even if they're not technically, let's say, internet connected, there's still a microcontroller in there. Mm -hmm. What makes Azure Sphere very unique is that it is a microcontroller that has networking communication built in, secure cool. networking cool. communication, secure, uh, as well as a Cortex-A processor, which allows it to actually host a microkernel operating system. In this case, Microsoft has put a microkernel of Linux on it, mm -hmm. uh, and that Linux support from Microsoft will be for 10 plus years. So think of it as you will, today there might be IoT devices out there that are microcontroller based, and they might be connected. But there's no way to update the security. There's no way to actually say, oh, there's a new threat in the world. Because mm -hmm. technology changes. Uh, most microcontrollers cannot. Once they're fixed, they're put on the device, they're put on they're the down. field, they're locked in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in 2016, there was an attack on the east coast of the United States. Approximately 100,000 connected IoT devices were compromised by these attackers on one day. All 100,000 of them were then harnessed to do a denial of service attack on the internet in general, and it brought down the entire East Coast of the United States for an entire day. Now, the problem with that was is there, there was no way to notice that they were being attacked because the devices themselves didn't know. They, they, the microcontroller itself is kind of, we'll call it, just incapable of understanding what's happening outside of it. Mm -hmm. And number two, there was no way to push any updates. There was, there's zero way because the microcontroller itself is burned as it's done. Once it's burned, it's done. The only way to update it is to replace the entire chip. In this particular case with Azure Sphere, however, because we have that Cortex A9 processor, uh, the ability to actually update microcontroller software on side of it, from a customer perspective, not only is it secure communication out of the box, not only is it communicating to our services without any you know, additional support mm -hmm. or need, but we can also support it from a security perspective uh, for the lifetime of the processor. So Azure Sphere itself is very unique within the microcontroller. Whether you're uh, using it to build a completely new device, uh, for, the, for instance, Gojo actually put a Sphere chip inside of their devices. Ours is obviously external for demo purposes. Uh, but uh, we also have a version of Sphere that can retrofit existing hardware called uh, Azure Sphere Guardian. So imagine, if you will, you're in a manufacturing organization or something like that where you might have you know, very big devices, robotic arms, conveyor belts, you know, systems that are building things. And they might have IoT data but aren't internet connected. You can actually use Azure Sphere with Guardian to put that in front of it, still be able to get access to that data in real time to our Azure IoT services. And, and still ensuring that it's secure, and you're kind of retrofitting it on existing legacy hardware. So it's Turn a very good the solution. The that we did, that's a good mm. uh, scenario for using the Guardian. And I, I believe you're going to share the, the case study for Gojo, right? Yeah, so okay. I just, uh, and I'll, I'll put the case study into the, the comments um, in the live broadcast. And if you have any comments, you want to give us some emotional support, you have some questions, this is a live broadcast. I'm actually checking the feed now. I'm not on Facebook. So uh, please uh, come in and, and comment. Um, but uh, PRL SmartLink, they did this with a large health organization, mm -hmm. and they saw an 82% increase over the baseline in hand, in, uh, hand sanitization mm -hmm. uh, compliance. 
So that's like an 18-month period. So imagine an 82% increase over that baseline um, when the spread of infectious diseases are caused by not washing your hands. Yep. Um, so it's a, it's a huge use case. And then going back to connected devices, our friend Dean Bethke, who is an IoT specialist on the West US side, mm -hmm. he likes to say IoT is about making dumb things smart and smart things smarter. So this is a dumb machine, um, but we're making it smart with the IoT Azure Sphere. Um, so what is this? Yeah, so this is actually the portal for SmartLink that Purell created. Uh, this is a very simple, there's, there's other dashboards here, but this basic one kind of identifies the number of opportunities that people could sanitize mm -hmm. and then tracking the actual quantity of those opportunities. So the, the ratio of opportunity to actual sanitization uh, unit. So it's a very simple dashboard, but it's very uh, purposeful and mm -hmm. it actually gets the data. And this is real time as well. So as somebody goes by here, you can monitor that or see a report on that, be able to ensure that throughout the day. So you're not waiting till let's say the end of the month to get a report. You can actually see it throughout the day and live during the, you know, maybe it's a shift on the floor. And I think that's one right now is the Irvine, right? The, yes, this yeah. we're looking at so Irvine right now. Different locations. Yeah, each one of the locations within all the MTCs has the ability to uh, exit, you know, go up there, hit hit the button, so to speak, and then yeah. go over here and check out the data. Yeah. In fact, we have a competition, so you know which center is using it the most. Who's using it? <laughs> Who's got the cleanest hand? Yeah, exactly. They need to have that in the hospital. <laughs> but so, I mean, you're talking about the full life cycle of data and AI. You're talking about having a dumb device. You're, have, you're talking about ingestion in real time, not just batch. You're talking about ingestion. You're talking about storage. Yeah. You're talking about reasoning through it with AI and ML for predictive behaviors, so you can augment behaviors as well as di diagnose them. And then you're also talking about distributing it to this is a web app. Yep. Via Power Absolutely. BI, which is a visualization tool. Power BI can be used as well. Yep. So entire life cycle of the data journey, while you're also helping people, you know, stop the spread of infections. All by Azure. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, what's that? Yeah. So. <laughs> Behind Ali right here, we actually have uh, another solution around IoT. It's, uh, it's actually a bit more, let's say, industry-specific. That's industrial IoT. We refer to it quite often as IIoT. Uh, and industrial IoT itself is a unique beast in that uh, your standard IoT, let's say, controlling your lights in your house yeah. or, or your thermostat in your house, yeah. right? Uh, Do you have a shot of that? You don't wanna... I don't know. Am I blocking? So, okay. um, so the device, it's, this wall itself is actually highlighting a number of industrial IoT devices. Okay. So within the kind of the, the, the scope of what Azure supports are IoT services, right? Not only can we support maybe a more conventional device, whether it's in your home or within a organization, mm -hmm. but think of the manufacturing floor, think of the robotic arms, think of the, uh, mic, uh, the controllers and the um, uh, PLC devices. Those things not only need to talk to the cloud and, and be able to provide IoT data there, but they also need to talk to themselves. So if you have something, I, I use actually uh, like self-driving cars as a, as a good example. Uh, some of the modern self-driving cars can generate up to 60 gigabytes of data a second. Now, I love Azure, right? But if you have a remotely connected car you know, over Wi-Fi or yeah. 5G or yeah. even, even 5G, uh, you're not going to be able to shove 60 gigabytes of data a second to any network. So a lot of that has to be the devices need to communicate themselves. A wheel needs to know what the motor is doing, and the motor needs to know what the suspension is doing, and the cameras need to tell the whole thing how to work together, and they communicate together that way. 
as, as a unit. But then that data goes up to the cloud to do new machine learning models to be able to do better prediction on whether or not it needs a slam on the brake before it. So imagine, if you will, you have all these industrial controllers. They need to communicate to each other, but they also need to go to the cloud. So when they communicate, they communicate in the industrial IoT standard. This wall is highlighting just that, the fact that our Azure IoT services not only support these, but they also support industrial standards as well. And that, that's part of Microsoft's strategy is everything needs to be, it needs to work in the cloud, it mm -hmm. needs to work on the, on edge, the edge as well. Yes. So we're yep. a true hybrid business, and that's just because of the way that we've managed our legacy side of the business on premises, as well as all the investments and progressiveness we have in our cloud-based technologies, right? Yeah, I'm absolutely. seeing that every single day. So Ali, you guys are doing hackathons here at the, mm -hmm. at the Microsoft Technology yep. Center. You got a bunch of cool equipment. I see customers coming in all the time. I see them walking mm -hmm. around here. Like, what are some of these hackathons? And you've been doing these a lot. How are these empowering customers? Have you have you seen a, sh a, a there shift? There is a yeah, there's a huge shift. I yeah. mean, I've been at the MTC for almost eight nine years now. We used to do a lot of briefing and design session. Now customers they actually want to have their hands on the technology and the devices and the tools. In fact, uh, recently, uh, Kevin and I, we work with the AppNet through the, the partnership that we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, we managed to get devices like 20 board per each MTC, meaning that if uh, you are interested to come and get your hands on uh, Azure Sphere for your own product or you know your own projects, you can come to the MTC, we give you the board, and Kevin and the team, they can work with you to build something real, and you guys can test it against your cloud subscription or you know whatever that you want. So uh, getting back to your question is really about like not only generating the data, but also how to leverage it. And I think this is where we can showcase the end-to-end -end, uh, solution and story and how they can connect all these pieces together. And there's we have this, this perspective on the components that are on Azure. Mm -hmm. Hardware have components. We also have some SaaS applications with yep. things like IoT Central. Central. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so tell us, Kevin, and you're, you're talking about this stuff all the time. Yeah. There's current trends, yeah. things that you think people are that care more about. We had a utility customer in here yesterday. Yep. Um, like, w what do folks care about when it comes to connecting devices and it comes to ingesting data real time, skill sets, things that kind of you think about when you're coming to work every day? Yeah, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of organizations, I should say, come in and they actually think that there's a lot of complexity to IoT. And, and there is. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right? Yeah, There's a lot yeah. that, that happens with IoT. However, what I feel, or the way that the Microsoft platform itself is working today, is that we've removed a lot of the complexity. We've made a lot of the complex simple. Kind of that concept of making dumb device smart and smart mm -hmm. devices mm -hmm. smarter. Uh, well, we've done the same thing to actually uh, use our services to be able to get devices, whether they be legacy or net new, or they're building for the future or they're planning for the future, and then connect it. Now, the great thing about that IoT data, once you connect it, is that the platform we have, as you mentioned, can scale limitlessly. Yep. I mean, imagine, yep. it's one thing to have a little Purell thing, or even, you know, we have 15 MTCs in the US, 15 of these things doing this kind of thing one at a time. Mm -hmm. But in hospitals, they have hundreds of thousands of these around yep. the US. Yep. And all of them are communicating in real time, potentially doing millions of updates a day, right? And having the scale to do that 
is important. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something you really can't do on-prem anymore. That's mm -hmm. where the cloud really becomes a very valuable asset, especially if you want to make it sh make sure that it's available full-time because you want to have high availability, mm -hmm. disaster recovery, and then you want to be able to have a scalable system on the back end to take that data in. From the platform perspective, once you get the data, you know, data for the sake of data, I'm a data guy, right? So data for the sake of data is kind of useless. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can collect billions of points of data a day, but what good is what it going to do, do if, if we can't yeah. do anything with it? Yeah. So that takes it to the next level, which is having those services. You mentioned like Power BI, which is great for visualization. Uh, but what about taking that data and doing predictive models, predictive analytics? When is, when is the, the heaviest utilization time for that? Maybe we can predict that per location. Maybe it's, when is a device going to fail? You know, we have uh, predictive maintenance is huge within every industry, you know, mm -hmm. especially robotic arms or something that a company is going to get a lot of value or let's say lose money uh, should that go down. Uh, we had one of an energy company in here that, you know, those windmills, uh, I don't know, at least here on the West Coast, we have windmills. Uh, in, in Texas, too. In Texas okay. Too. And in so, China. Uh, you know, <laughs> we had one of those uh, companies come into the MTC for a session, and they indicated that if they have to go out to a, mil a windmill that breaks, like, you know, unexpectedly, they lose up to $100,000 a day. Hmm. So, and that's a huge loss for yeah. them. Yeah. So being able to predict maintenance, be able to know when a device or when, in this case a windmill is not going to be, you know, or is, it has a maintenance window, let's say, that they can go and fix that before it breaks down. They said that that's a $10,000 fixed in t typically. It saves them, you know, $90,000 in losses per day. Now that's assuming they fix it in one day. Right? Yeah. Typically yeah. they can't. So they could lose, you know, millions of dollars just being unable to do predictive maintenance. So taking the data from something like this or anything mm -hmm. they have, bringing that in and then doing machine learning and analytics and then having the store to, to actually store billions of points of, uh, and to be able to weed through that, right? All of those are values they need, data they need to store, actions they need to take on it, and then obviously visualization with Power BI and other services as yeah, well. Yeah. But all of that drives this IoT ecosystem. It's I mean, not just the device and getting the data in. Add that to medical devices, like, you know, if you can predict, let's say, my son's diabetes sensor ahead of time, it can literally save, save lives, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, and I like how we're tying this back. So, Sumit, uh, he said, go team, very relevant story given the time. He's our, he's our cheerleader. <laughs> he's a like cheerleading guy. We miss you, Summit. Yeah, we miss you, man. Um, so uh, let's kind of throttle back off the technology just a little bit. Um, we only have a couple minutes left. Would love to talk about um, one of the initiatives that I saw you post about um, on LinkedIn the other day. Like the World Down Syndrome Day. Yep. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about lots of socks? Hashtag lots of, lots of socks. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And then I would love to hear uh, from Ali uh, a couple comments around the challenges that mm -hmm. you may incur when you're a parent and you have children that have diseases or impairments or things that they have to struggle with. Sure, yeah. So lots of socks is a, well, let me take a step back. So uh, the UN has declared that 321, March 21st, is World Down Syndrome Day. Now, there's a significant number in 321, just so you know. Uh, the 21st chromosome of the human body, uh, in the case of a Down Syndrome individual, you know, has three yep. chromosomes instead of a pair. Everybody else has normal pairs. The 21st chromosome has three, that, AKA 321. So as part of raising awareness for Down Syndrome, they declared that 
March 21st would be World Down Syndrome Day. Mm-hmm. Part of that kind of awareness process is saying, Let, listen, let's raise awareness by wearing crazy socks. Uh, and, and you don't have to buy any specific we socks. We all like crazy socks. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can yeah. wear mismatched socks, right? Or one sock, no sock, right? Yeah. Uh, some people say wear three socks, you know, wear one <laughs> foot with one sock, wear another sock that matches, and then just pull one half up on a third sock because it's, you know, for three chromosomes. So it's really a day to raise awareness for Down syndrome. You know, that's a community. Believe it or not, it is the number one uh, chromosomal disorder on the planet. One in every 100 children are born with Down syndrome. So, you know, sorry, 1,000, <laughs> 1,000 children. So, you know, that's, that's a huge number mm-hmm. around the globe. There are more Down syndrome chromosomal disorders than any other chromosome on the planet. So, so it's, it's, it's just a day to wear, raise awareness. And, you know, I'd encourage everybody to go ahead and wear those crazy socks on that day. And if somebody asks, you know, hey, your socks don't match, you know, you can explain to them exactly why. why? And, and, again, just kind of raise that awareness. Absolutely. And then some, you know, some things that you guys have learned through the challenges of, of you know, helping your, your I kids. I think the biggest word that comes to mind is empathy. Yeah. And this is where that, I mean, for me personally, every time I face a challenge, whether it's at work or outside or like, you know, any kind of day-to-day task that, you know, anybody wants to do as Eric, you think about like, how the kids or people with those disabilities, they can go through day in, day out, and they still, you know, manage to accomplish a lot of things. It gives you the sense of like, you know, yes, let's do better, let's use technology in a better way to help others. And this is one thing that we, especially at Microsoft, and I'm sure other places, they kind of realize that on a day in, day out. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, empathy empathy for sure. You know, one of the challenges with any uh, disability or special need is, you know, a lot of times, now, uh, as I mentioned, my son has Down syndrome. And so, you know, it's, in most cases, it's fairly obvious that he has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Ollie's son's case, you would look at him and have no idea that he has any quote-unquote disability or Mm -hmm. anything that would cause a red flag you know so part of empathy is understanding that even though somebody may look normal or maybe uh, may have show no obvious signs it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't struggling or having something to deal with you know um, in the case of my son specifically uh, there's there's a lot of challenges Uh, you know I won't sugarcoat it Uh, and Tom and and quickly Thomas Duclos he's on the Azure Azure Stack Edge team he left a message says he has his son has Down syndrome so oh, nice add-on on the discussion. So that's, yeah, excellent. that's really cool. Thanks, Thanks Thomas. Thomas. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of lead with some, or, or stop my portion with kind of leading into some of the things that Microsoft has given for the special needs community. You know, we have Seeing AI app, which allows uh, blind people to actually see the world around them, or those maybe with vision impairments. Great, great app. It's free. It's on the iOS app store. I Go download it if you have any friend, family member, or yourself that's struggling with some vision uh, loss uh, we also have, in the case of our Swift key, you know, it's the keyboard, the, the swipe keyboard feature that you can download. Uh, that same group made a thing called Swift key, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the name out. Swift key uh, icons or Swift, I'll, I'll send the link. Look it up. Uh, we'll, we'll get you a link. But uh, it's a way for uh, people that may have communication mm-hmm. disabilities, like my son actually can't talk. 
-hmm. Now, that's not the same for all Down syndrome individuals, but mm -hmm. my son just can't talk. So having an application that allows them to actually build a sentence and then have it talk for them wow. in a very simple way, uh, uh, Microsoft made that available to the community for free. Yeah, right, it's cool. a huge, huge, cool. uh, and we'll we'll provide links to the app as well as some videos on how it used how it's used in both education as well as personal lives. It's a very, very powerful solution. And there are others out there that we're deploying every day. Microsoft Research. Uh, you mentioned Farbeats. There's other things around that around helping rural farmers. So there's a lot that we're doing to help those communities to be able to take advantage of technology to better their lives. And, and just like double clicking just a little bit, um, you know, just based on Thomas's comment. You know, what are, what is some advice that you can give to parents, new parents, um, oh. current parents? You, I see you every single day. You bring the best personality. Talk about you talk about Disneyland. You talk about cars. <laughs> talk about your family, and you know it, it's I, it must be so tough. But you bring yourself one hundred and ten percent to your career every single day. So does Ali. Um, just got some quick advice. Just one piece of oh, advice. Wow. You think that's a tough one. You put me on the spot there. Listen, um, everybody processes things differently. Mm -hmm. Like that's 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 a fact. Uh, for me personally, right? Uh, you know, I, I you can't change the hands you're dealt, but you can deal with the the deal you've been given, right? Yeah. And yeah. for me personally, yeah. I've I've chosen to really make that a, a a part of my life. That's actually my story, mm -hmm. right? And sharing that story, whether it's directly related to somebody like Thomas or indirectly, like yep. somebody that may not understand the struggle, but is actually can, can learn empathy from that, yep. right? Sometimes that's, that's part of that power as well. For me personally, I enjoy talking about technology so much that that's, you know, that's the passion I have. Um, but when I go home, I am 100% dedicated to that boy, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, whether it be taking him to Disneyland or, you know, he recently started baseball, which is a really cool feat for us. Uh, quite, quite fun, actually. Uh, but, you know, that's, those are the things that kind of enhance that opportunity. Um, to learn from him, I probably learn more from him than he has learned from me. And, and I would say that that's my biggest takeaway from that life, uh, working with him, and, uh, and then using that to share back to my customers. That's really cool. Thank you for that, Kevin. So um, we're going to end here. Ways that folks can get a hold of you. Yeah, so you can get a hold of me, obviously, on LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn profile is Kevin Orbaker, I think. Kevin Orbaker. And if you don't respond, they can just ping your boss. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he'll, trust me, he'll make sure I respond. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at MSFTKevinO. Uh, and then, obviously, here GitHub. in the MTCs, I, I'm, I'm Tiki Kev on GitHub. So... Uh, that's another whole story about my tiki passion. Yeah, we should but have yes. a special program. To yeah, we should do a whole day on just tiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would love that. Come in my Hawaiian shirt that time. That's awesome. Well, yeah. hey, folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, feel free to comment, or you know, if you want to come on the show with us, have some fun. You can do that too. Uh, send us a message. And if you have uh, some IoT device you want to show off, let's do it. Bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S -S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at TheDataBinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.